Amen. Check it out. It was one of the biggest outbreaks, uh, outbreaks of disease of all time. In fact, it was so horrible that this plague struck terror in the hearts of all of Western civilization, and society was literally torn apart. And it all began with a seemingly just small little minor headache, right? That's all it was at start. And it progressed into, you know, just a few innocent seeming looking spots on the skin. And, and first they were red, but then they started to turn black. And, and just in a matter of days, a high fever took over, causing the glands to swell, leading to uncontrolled vomiting of blood. And soon the people's glands actually began to burst, giving them the grotesque appearance right before they died this horrible death. In fact, so fast and so devastating was this plague, listen, that in no times fields were left untilled, animals were left just to wander around, bodies filled the rivers, listen, ships actually drifted out to sea full of dead crews. In fact, uh, people were so terrified of contracting this disease that one man who actually survived historically wrote this down. Listen to what he said. He said, brother forsook his brother, an uncle his nephew, a sister her brother, and oftentimes a wife her husband. And even more extraordinary and well near incredible, fathers and mothers refused to visit or tend their very children as if they had not been theirs. Wow. And when all was said and done, the destruction was massive. The entire European world was completely decimated. The death toll caused one-fourth, listen, one-fourth of the civilized world to be annihilated. The year was 1347. The cause was the little tiny flea. The plague was bubonic. And, of course, I'm talking about the Black Death, right? How many of you guys remember and have heard about the Black Death before, okay? The bubonic plague, okay? And I think most of us have, and again, I think we could all agree, hello, that's one of the greatest, not just disasters, but historic world disasters of all time. But again, you know the theme, with all due respect to those who lost their lives uh, during that time period with the Black Death. What if I were to tell you, I know of a, uh, a disaster that makes the bubonic plague look like a boo-boo. <laughs> and folks, what if I were to tell you this disaster, it didn't, it didn't just occur in one country at one time at one place, it's going on right now, today, all over the world, and it's been leaving a trail of death and destruction for centuries. Folks, once again, we're talking about the satanic war on the Christian. And here's why. Because this is the facts. We Christians, we don't battle here and there. We don't battle once in a while. We go to war every single day. Whether you like it, believe it, see it, feel it or not, folks, we, when the moment we got saved, we entered into a spiritual war against a real life demonic host whose sole purpose is to destroy you and to extinguish your effectiveness for Jesus Christ. And we're certainly going to see that again today. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to continue to study the satanic war on the Christian. The key word there is war, battle, soldiers. That's the mindset from the word of God. Okay. And so it's common sense. If you're going to win a war, what's the first thing you need to do? You need to know who your enemy is. We saw the second thing, what your enemy is like. The third thing, the tactic of your enemy. And the last four times, the destruction of your enemy. And this is the problem. The price you will pay when you don't take spiritual warfare, even though the Bible is replete about it, Old Testament, New Testament. Okay. When you don't take it serious, you're going to be destroyed. He can't take away your salvation, but he'll destroy your walk with Jesus Christ because that's what he's all about. Now, last time we saw the fourth destruction he will do is he will turn you into a corruptive Christian. Remember that? Oh, boy, I tell you what. And see, the devil, he's so stinking evil. He doesn't just want us to self-destruct ourselves. No, no, no. Apparently, that's not good enough. He wants to use us to cause destruction wherever we go. And he gets us by getting us to think more like him. It's all about self, me, myself, and I. And then when self is on the throne and it's all about me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity, it's not being met. I've got to talk about it. So we start thinking like him. We start talking like him. And that's not enough because people aren't making things happen your way. So then you start going behind the scenes and you gossip and you slander and you fight. And pretty soon Christians are too busy fighting each other. Then guess who? The evil one. And you cause destruction wherever you go. You become corruptive, okay? But that's not all. The fifth destruction that he will cause when we don't take spiritual warfare serious is he'll turn you into the doubting Christian. 
Now, now, let me see if I can do this. Look at that. See what happens when you eat chicken? How many times have we got to go through this, people? <laughs> I love doing that. Like, look at, <laughs> have you ever wondered this? I mean, you have a great time with Jesus in the morning, great time in the Word, and, and you're praying, and, and then all of a sudden you turned into this. What happened? Believe it or not, it's the same weapon he used to cause the fall of mankind. That's what we're going to deal with today. It's called doubt, okay? But don't take my word for it. Let's listen to God's Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. If you find the first book of the Bible, what do you do? Go to chapter 3, that's right. Genesis chapter 3, we're just going to read, just very quickly, the fall of man. What is it? What was the trick? What was the weapon? How did he get Adam and Eve to do it? What did Satan do to cause the fall of man? What was that weapon? And is that the only time he ever used it? Well, let's take a look. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Let's go ahead and stand as we read the word of God. Now, the serpent, he was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, "Uh uh-oh, what what was it? He poses a question. What did he say? Did God really say? What's that? It's doubt. It's putting a question in the mind. I know God said this. Orders were clear. That's doubt. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, well, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. And then what's he moved to? Once doubt creeps into your head, what's he say? You will not surely die. What did he just do? He called God a liar. Doubt leads to action behavior that gives the impression that God is a liar. Ooh. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Don't you get it? Don't you get it? God's being sneaky. He's holding out on something. Hey, listen, I tell you, I got a better way. Listen to me. Try this. It's better. You may be seated. That's the context of our passage there. And the point is, does that sound familiar or what? Yeah, he uses the same tactic, unfortunately, today. He just repackages it uh, for our time, okay? The first thing the devil did to launch the fall of mankind, okay? What was the tool? He thrust us into this cursed creation, and it was the weapon of doubt with just simply the question, did God really say? How many times does that go through our head? We know what the Word of God says. Here's what he says. Don't worry. Don't be anxious about anything. But then all of a sudden, in essence, it's that sentence. Now, it might not come out exactly like that, but it's the principle to did God really say I don't have to worry? Did God really say I could rejoice at all times? Did God really say don't be anxious? It's the same tactic, okay? And the reason why the devil does that is because he knows that once we give into doubt, even today, listen, we'll start to actually question God. And when you walk around Christian acting like God doesn't know what he's doing, you're in essence walking around saying God is a liar. He can't keep his word. It's a tool of the enemy. And that's why the first sign that you're becoming this doubting Christian, okay, is when you place your security into something else other than God, right? You place your security into something else other than God, and you begin to doubt that he actually can take care of you. Now, the first definition of the word there, doubt, it means this, to be skeptical or to raise suspicions regarding one's well-being, Okay, and I'm telling you, this is one of the first things he does, Christian, to keep us from becoming a mighty army. He throws out the bait. Maybe you heard something like this before. All right, all right, all right, all right. All right, listen, listen. I couldn't keep you from being saved. 
All right. And I can see <laughs> having Jesus in your life, yeah, it's, it's, it's good and all, okay? But did God really say that he'd take care of you here down on earth? I mean, did he really say that? I mean, I, mean, I mean, don't you think that you need to secure measures to secure your own means in life? And again, you might think, hey, listen, a doubtful security in God, you know, uh, no big deal, doesn't hurt anybody. Wrong. That's a lie from the bed of hell. Because the devil knows that a doubtful security leads to devastation, and the first devastation, you start falling for this lie. How many of you guys have heard this one? If I only had enough. You've heard it. It's everywhere. Everybody knows this, right? right? If only, you just, I just got to have, if you will, that perfect being. If I just have enough money, then I can be happy and secure and no, that's not what Jesus said to do. Okay, let's take a look at what he says. You want to store up something? You need not, it's not here on earth. Okay, you want true lasting security? Nothing here on earth. Here's what he said, Matthew chapter 6, 19 through 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures where? On earth. Why? Well, because it's not secure, right? Moth and rust destroy, thieves break in and steal, right? It's going to happen. However, you want true lasting security? You don't want to waste your time? Store up treasure for yourself in where? Heaven. Why? Because guess what? Nobody can rip God off. You got to store it up there. It's safe. Where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break into steel. And not just in principle, but if you start living for things on this earth, guess what it does? Spiritually, it affects your heart because where your treasure is. Ooh, that's really where your heart is. There your heart will be also. Okay? The Bible simply says, with all due respect, one of the goofiest things that we as Christians could do with our life is to waste it, waste all of our time, our treasure, our talents, our tongues, our energy, and to stockpiling nothing but treasure here on earth. Why? Because Jesus said it not only, listen, is not secure, it cannot be secure. How many of you guys learned this one? Money comes, money goes. How many times are we going to go through this? But he also says, be careful, it will also steal your heart away from me. Because where your treasure is. There your heart will be also. Now, so he says then, if you will, a smart Christian is one who invests their time, their treasure, their talents, and their tongues into what? Into true lasting security. That which lasts forever. What? Treasures in heaven. Okay? And folks, this is the first thing I'm telling you the enemy does. Okay? And again, let me put out a caveat. I'm not against if you want to have a retirement account. I'm not against it if you want to have a savings account. I'm not against in trying to be a financially responsible steward. You need to be. But here's my point. Here's the caveat. If that's all you live for, and I'm talking Christian, you've been duped. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying don't be financially responsible. We need to be responsible, all of us, myself included. But if that's all you live for, you've been duped, and we're going to expose that, okay? But again, it's not just for us. Right? Storing up treasure in heaven, that's true lasting security, amen? Nobody can take that away, okay? But listen to this, it's a powerful witness, right? I mean, can you imagine, put yourself in the non-Christian shoes, listen to this. Can you imagine running into a Christian who cares more about giving their time, treasure, talents, and tongues to the Lord's work than what's going on at Wall Street? I mean, can you imagine running into a Christian who could give a rip about the stock market or the Dow Jones report? They're more concerned about eternity than the state of the economy. I mean, I mean, you're not a Christian, and you see this, and it's genuine. I'm, what, what's the first thing going to come out of your mouth? I mean, you're going to say something like this. I mean, how, how do you do this? 
I mean, I mean, here I am. I'm down here too. And I'm sweating like a pig. I'm running the rat race day in, day out. And just to try to secure my own future. And, I, and you just keep giving yours away like there's something more important to live for. Can I have that? And we lead him to Jesus. Powerful witness in our insecure, messed up world today. And that's why, folks, I'm telling you, the devil does this. He tricks us. Listen, if he can't keep us from turning to Christ and going to heaven, he simply tricks us into wasting our lives before we get to heaven. And that's by only investing in an earthly treasure instead of a heavenly one. The enemy knows that once we start seeking security in anything outside of God, including a big giant pile of cash, and everybody's got their limit of what that's supposed to be, but it never ends. Have you, have you learned that? You know, if I only had $1,000 in the bank account, well, you get $1,000, what's the next thing that goes in your head? Well, maybe I should get two. You know, if only I had $50,000 in a retirement fund, and then you get $50,000, then what happens? Well, maybe I need $100,000. If only I had a million dollars, isn't that it? It's just a million dollars fixes everything. I just have, well, it's just somehow, guess what? You got a million dollars, guess what? Well, maybe I need two. How are you, right? It's a lie. It comes, it goes, okay? But the devil knows that once we live only for that, only for that, be responsible, but that's all you live for. Listen, we're going to look just like the world. We're going to be just as greedy and just as freaked out. Ah! When that pile of cash starts to go down the tubes. We lose our witness, okay? And again, you're thinking, well, how does that happen? We've talked about this before. Folks, this is the lie that's drilled in our heads from we hunt, from school, secular school, right? See, our founding fathers set up a system where the purpose, that, that, believe it or not, they quoted the Bible, and they believed the Bible and supported the Bible and had Bible in school, prayer, and Ten Commandments. Can you believe that? Okay? But, but they said, that, listen, the purpose of an education is to get yourself equipped to serve others in the name of Jesus Christ. Did you know that? Harvard, which is now having black satanic masses, if you can believe that. Uh, the, the original mom, John Harvard, he was a pastor. He's the one who instituted that school, right? For Christ in the church was their motto. The reason why you're getting educated is to serve people in Jesus' name. Not anymore. What's the mantra? The reason why you get a good education is so you can get a good job. And the reason why you need to get a good job is because a better job gives you more money. And the reason why you need more money is so you can buy things you don't need to impress people you don't know who in the end don't even care. Oh, and that's just step one. And then you got to keep that way of life going. you got to secure it in the future by spending more time to make even more money, to stockpile even more away until you can somehow end up life, hopefully earlier on in your age as possible, but somehow you can arrive at life and what? So you can sit around doing nothing, anything but you want to do so you can buy even more things that people don't. Have you heard that lie? You show me one verse in the Bible. That that says, Christians, that's the only thing we should be doing. That's what life's all about. It's just somehow achieving the biggest pile of cash as young as possible. Sit around, do nothing but what you want to do. And buy more things you don't need. Now listen. Yeah, it makes me cry too. <laughs> There's not one verse, folks. It's called a lie. And think, well, how did they get, well, I just said that, how does he get us to do this, right? Because we know better as Christians, come on, right? We know we're supposed to serve God and invest in the kingdom of God with our time, treasure, talents. And we know that. How many times have we talked about that? The Bible's replete about that. Well, folks, he's a master of deceit. We already saw the educational system. That's how we grow up. That's what you're supposed to do. That's the American dream. But he also does it with what I call words of fear every day, even when you're out of school. 
right? Picture yourself, right? Again, you're, you're starting your day out. It's awesome. You're with Jesus. You just had a great time of devotion. In his word, you're encouraged. Whoa, you had a great time of prayer. You're, you're so full of peace. And what did you do? You made the mistake. You turned on the TV and then you watched the news. Oh, oh. Then, then you, you put the news off and you picked up that thing called the newspaper. Oh, you read the article online. Oh, and what is the insane mantra every single time that they drill it through your head? It's a media-generated fear. What's the first thing? You're having a great day with Jesus. What do they do? Is your life secure? Do you have enough money? What if something happened to you? Do you have insurance? What about your kids? What about your family? How will you survive? Ah, and the next thing you know, we're lining up just like the rest of the world to buy a false security by the truckloads, just like everybody else. Again, be responsible. I'm not saying don't get insurance. we got insurance. But that's all you live for. He's got you by the throat. Now, if you think that this is not a media-generated thing, <laughs> right, then listen to this, folks. Did you know that investment houses spend not millions, but billions, billions of dollars every single year just to advertise their investments? Well, why? Because they got so much money, they just have, let's burn some more money parties. No, they spend billions of dollars because they know if they get us to freak out enough, then we will spend billions and billions more to get this false sense of security, okay? So that they, not Jesus, can secure our future for us. And the next thing you know, rather than trusting in Jesus and living a life for him, we squirrel away every single cent only for this false sense of security. Why? Because we listen to their words of fear. And again, I, I say it again, this is the third time. I'm not saying don't be financially responsible. Please! In fact, the scripture says you don't work, you don't eat. In fact, we should be able to give back as Christians to help one another. It's got to come from somewhere. Be responsible. But if that's all you live for, you're being duped. And you're going to freak out, you're going to get greedy, and you're going to get grumpy, and you're going to be insecure, and your witness goes right down the tubes. Oh, by the way, it will also destroy you. I've shared this before, but that mantra is drilled in our heads. If I just had enough money, if I just get a million dollars or five million, well, does, does getting more money fix things? No, oftentimes you replace one problem for another one. And, and that's what we saw before. Let's take a look at it again. What are the, the richest men, right? The fate of the richest men, how, how did their lives go? I mean, they had more money than you and I will ever probably ever shake a stick at. Did it help them? Were they more secure and happy and joyful? I don't think so. Let's take a look at this. 1923, you get these uh, uh, biggest world financiers. They come together. They got the art of secret making money, and they're yucking it up. Woohoo! look at us, man. We got it all. So life must have been great from then on, right? Well, let's take a look at what happened to every single one of these guys. The president of the largest independent steel company, Charles Schwab, he died bankrupt, and he lived on borrowed money for five years before his death. Money comes, money goes. The president of the largest utility company, Samuel Insel, he died a fugitive from justice and penniless in a foreign land. Uh, the president of the largest gas company, Howard Hobson, he went what? He went totally secure. He had so much joy, he wrote books on it. No, he went insane, okay? He, the greatest wheat speculator, Arthur Cotton, he died abroad insolvent. The president of the New York Stock Exchange, Richard Whitney, he went to prison uh, with his behavior. The president's cabinet, Arbor Fall, he was pardoned from prison so he could die at home. Listen to this, the greatest bear on Wall Street, Jesse Livermore, he died a suicide. Uh, the head of the greatest monopoly, Ivan Kruger, he died a suicide. The president of the bank, International Settlements, Leon Fraser, he died a suicide. How many guys would say this? Probably not a good life. And what did they live for? What was the only thing they lived for? Granted, they learned the arts 
of being able to get that amount of money. But oftentimes it came in compromise and illegal behavior. And in the end, were they full of more joy and security? No. What happened? They went insane. They went to prison. They killed themselves. Christian, and we think that that's where it's at. That's all we do with our time, our treasure, our talents and tongue. Just And you wonder why our walk with Jesus Christ feels like we're in a prison. We're going insane. We're dying spiritually. It's the same trap. Folks, when are we going to learn that no matter how big your bank account gets, it's no guarantee that you're ever, ever, ever going to be happy, let alone secure. In fact, oftentimes it makes things worse, right? I don't know if you noticed this, but and, and again, there's nothing wrong with wealth. It's what you do with it. God has blessed. I know many Christians who are very wealthy, but guess what? They use that wealth to buy the 19th swimming pool. No, that's wrong. They take care of their needs, but guess what? They invest that into the lives of other people. Starting seminaries, starting Bible college, supporting missionaries, supporting churches, helping individual Christians. That's a, that's a joy, right? We see that in the scripture. It's what you do with it is the difference. But if that's all you live for, you're going to a nightmare. Oftentimes, how many times does this happen, right? A person, they get a, a million more dollars, right? I just got to have a million dollars. Well, guess what? The more money you get, here's something that kicks in. All of a sudden, you got friends you didn't know you had. Hi, I'm your third cousin, Bobby Joe's neighbor's dog's babysitter from third grade. Remember me? No. Don't you want to invest in this pickle farm? No. It's just like, man, where's these people coming from? Because you got money. And that's what these guys, and then there's people who want to take it from you. And then sometimes it's like, man, I wish I was poor again. It just creates a whole other set of problems. You went from one to the next. But guess what? In the midst of it, if you would just, yes, be responsible, but don't get out of hand. And don't forget, invest in which that lasts forever. Trust God. He'll take care of you. He's not a liar. Enjoy life and be a powerful witness. That's what it's all about. Don't make the mistake of placing your security in a false sense of security, the lie called, if I just had enough money. God's got a better way. It's a much more secure way. Do not store up treasures on this earth, but in heaven. Why? Because that's the only place that it can last forever. And by the way, did you know, Job says, naked I came in this world. Guess what? Naked I'm going. Did you know that, uh, that bumper sticker, the boys with the most toys wins? No, you don't. You got the most trash to clean up after you leave. You ain't taking nothing with you. But guess what? There is something technically that you can take with you. Souls. And believe it or not, if we could use our time, our treasure, our talents and tongues godly, what a privilege it is to take souls with us to heaven for Jesus. And you see, one day you're going to wake up and realize, mm, man, I, I, I wasted so much time. I wasted so much treasure and all my talents, my time. It was, it was so distracted living for this false thing. And Well, you're going to end up like this guy. Let's take a look.
I'll tell that person about Jesus later. I can't support this. How do we know we've been duped? Let me ask you some questions. Is the stock market got your heart more than the Savior? Is the economy more important than eternity? Is a financial CD more important than saving a soul? And you've been duped. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I, I say this all the time. Look around. The American church, we are distracted. We're more concerned, even politically, about somebody who will guarantee us a powerful economy than somebody who will lead our country back spiritually to Jesus Christ. We're more concerned about the economy than eternity. And it's been that way for a long time. We're not just being poor examples of a, listen, Christian Schindler's list. But let's bring it home. That's a scene in heaven, if you will. 
Is there even anybody on your list? He saved 1,100. Is there even one person that you could say, yes, I invested? Anybody? One. Or are you too busy storing up treasure on earth while people go to hell? Why? Because you got tricked and seduced into placing your security into something else other than God. All because you had, it was going good. I don't know, at some point, you were living for Jesus. You were investing your time, treasure, talents, and tongue in him. And all of a sudden, I don't, want to, I don't know how it encapsulated, but, but it basically came across this way. Did God really say? And then you started to run and just live for nothing but here until you died. That's the trap. Trap number one. Trap number two is this, is when you place your future into something besides God, okay? Now, the second definition of the word doubt means this, to question or to become fearful about one's safekeeping, okay? And this is what the devil does with this one. Listen to this. He throws out the bank. He says, this is okay, kid. You got me. I couldn't keep you from being saved. And I know having Jesus in your life is great and all gay. But he said, God really say that he'd take care of you, your personal well-being, until you get to heaven? I mean, I mean, don't you think you need to secure your personal well-being? Do whatever it takes to have a perfect life before you get there? And he might think you listen to a doubtful future in God. It's no big deal. No, folks, it leads to devastation. And again, the first devastation is you seek that second lie. Not only if I had a perfect bank account, if only I had enough money, that's lie number one. Number two, it's this one. If only I had that perfect life. I mean, Ken and Barbie had it. How come I didn't have it? That's not right. Well, they're dolls. Turn to somebody and say, they're not real. They're fake people. <laughs> right? But we do this. Thing. Oh, oh, I got everything I got to do. I got to know my financial thing and this, and that's all I can run for. And, this is, and then somehow I got to make sure that my life has no pain whatsoever. It's, everything's wrong. Are you kidding me? How many times does the Bible have to say, guess what, Christian? This is not heaven. Heaven comes later. You're going to have problems down here. Okay, so stop living for that lie too. Let's take a look at just one verse. 1 Peter 4, 12-13. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the what? Not just trial, but the painful trial that you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you. Hey, I got kidding. He just loves boating. She's got a great house. They're dolls. I'll say it again. They're fake people. As if something strange happened. He said, are you kidding me? But re- what? Rejoice. Rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. This is just one passage, folks. The Bible declares that, listen, we should not only not be surprised at the painful trial. Sometimes it's going to happen, Christian. This is not heaven. Heaven comes later. But listen, God, in the midst of it, he'll give us the ability supernaturally to what? Rejoice in the midst of it. And you talk about a powerful witness. This is a ph- phenomenal one. Listen to this. Can you imagine you're a non-Christian and you run in uh, uh, to this guy, right? He sits there and he says, he, 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 he's never bothered, or she, never bothered by trials. And, and they actually rejoice when problems do come their way. I mean, you see them because you work with them. You're the, the neighbor, right? And it's like, I know what you're going through. I got problems, you got problems too, and frankly, some of your problems, people would be going insane by now. But in the midst of them, you don't just have peace. You rejoice. I mean, the law, put yourself in the lost person's shoes. I mean, 
What are you going to do at that point? <laughs> I don't know what you're on, man, but I want it, right? And we say, listen, I'm not on something. I'm in something. I'm in Christ. You need to turn to Jesus. Powerful, powerful witness. And the devil knows this, so here's what he does. If he can't keep us from rejoicing in Christ, listen, when trials do come, he simply tricks us into thinking that trials should never come in the first place, and it's up to you to guarantee that future at a cost. Now, let me expose that, because if you think that we don't do this, we do. And once again, they do the same tactic. We fell for it on the financial aspect. It's the same thing when it comes to the physical aspect. And they drill into our heads with these words of fear. Oh, no. I just had a great time with Jesus. My devotion was awesome. I'm full of peace. I just had a great time of prayer. What did I do? You turned on that TV again. You read that newspaper. You look at that article. And what's the same thing that they say every day? Is your life secure? Again, do you have enough insurance? Are you eating properly? Do you exercise enough? What if something happened to you? What if your car broke down? What if your house burnt down? What if a flood came? What if your health started to fail? What would you do? How would you survive? Ah! Every single day. And the next thing you know, we line up by the truckloads. We buy their so-called insurance. Listen to this. Insurance. We pay insurance to guarantee a pain-free life. What did God say? It's going to happen. So in essence, what are you calling God? A liar. It's going to happen. Now listen, if you don't think that we do this, because again, it's all about, one guy says, you know, the Christian life, it appears to me, for most Christians, here's your goal in life, right? It's to tiptoe through life with as much cushion as possible just so you could arrive at death safely. Or you forget that Jesus died on the cross. So what do we, 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 we build padding all around it so it looks nice and fluffy and cushy. And... What? It's going to happen, folks. But we spend megabucks on this lie. Oh, oh let, let me explain. Did you know in 2003, listen to this, we spent $1.6 trillion, not million, not billion, $1.6 trillion that year alone on health care. Make it the 14th, 14% the gross national product. Oh, that was just 2003. Last summer, we're now spending $3.35 trillion every year on health care. And it's getting worse every year. Oh, that's just health care. Did you know that billions, not millions, billions of dollars are spent every single year for herbal and vitamin supplements? Oh, listen, in 2015, one in every five adults in the United States of America had herbal supplements and spent, listen, not million, $21 billion just on herbal supplements. We ain't got enough money to support this ministry. We can't help this. We don't got no new. I don't know how we're going to pay the light bill. Hey, how about chop off the herbal supplements? In fact, turn this light and chop off the herbal supplements. Let's, can we say that? Let's gain $21 billion just this year alone. Now listen to this. It'd be one thing if it worked. Doctors are saying, not me, and I quote, Americans waste $28 billion a year on vitamins in general because clinical trials are showing it doesn't really make a significant difference. But we keep buying it. Because didn't you see that person? I mean, they started out really unhealthy, and they took this pill, and they had like 800 abs on them. They were like an ab monster. <laughs> and all of a sudden, they became really tan and fit, and people were globbing all over them just because of pill. I'll buy it. It's a lie. 
It's a lie. We do this, we laugh about it, because it's working. Their method of working. <laughs> Fear. Instead of faith in God, he'll take care of you. And again, just like the, insur- the, the, the finance thing, I'll put out a caveat. I'm not saying don't go to the hospital. I've been in the hospital. I don't know about you, but basically I'm glad when I need surgery, when my arm's sticking out, somebody's there to operate. I like that. I like it a lot. Okay? Okay? I don't want to do it myself. Right? I'm not a self-improvement guy when it comes to bones sticking out of your body. Okay? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that there's no need for medical. I'm not saying there's no need for certain medicines and things of that nature. Back to the surgery thing. I'm glad they give you medicine when they put your arm back in the thing. I don't want to be awake when that happens. I'm not saying trying to be healthy and to eat right. I'm saying that. But listen, here's the point. Here's the comment. If that's all you live for, at the expense of investing in the kingdom of God, you've been duped. And you're missing out on a powerful witness. Folks, don't put your security in a pain-free life because God said we never have one. And he certainly didn't say if you spend all your gold instead of buying enough insurance and enough health care, enough vitamins and exercise equipment, you'd never go through trials. In fact, let's put it to the test. We spend trillions, not billions, not millions, trillions of dollars every single year on these methodologies of a pain-free life. Is it working? No. So why do we keep doing it? Because we're doubting God. Yes, be responsible not against doctors trying to eat right. Don't misunderstand me. But if that's all you live for, and if you think somehow popping a pill is going to fix everything, you're in for a rude awakening. Sometimes it makes it worse. Like this guy shares. Let's take a look at this. Y'all ever seen these commercials for these pills, this medication you take? It's like one pill for one thing, but they list like a hundred side effects. <laughs> just like they're just scrolling for a minute. And you're thinking, is that really a good trade? can't be a good trade. You got people going, well, I can take the headaches, nausea, and vomiting. It'll make my elbow feel better. <laughs> it's really worth it. It is. I mean, I've been taking it. Oh! 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 I can move it around. Play with the kids. And I... <clears throat> I got full range of motion here. <laughs> Folks, that video would be funny if what? If it weren't so true. I mean, have you seen that? I mean, we've been through this so many times before, right? Popping a pill doesn't make it all better, okay? Yeah, I got rid of my headache, all right? And I bought your little technique if it's a pill or a thing or all, whatever the methodology is. But now I've got liver disease, lung cancer. I got one eye. My leg fell off. But I feel much better. And I'm not talking in the world. I expect them to, them to do that because they don't know any better. I'm talking about the church. And I ain't got time to serve Jesus. I can't invest in his kingdom. Been duped. Folks, when are we going to learn? I don't care how many pills you pop. I don't care how many vitamins you ingest. When are we going to get back to listen to God? You are not going to stop the inevitable. Now, you young whippersnappers, especially the ones I just had up here today, pay attention to this biblical truth. One day you're going to wake up and you have done fell apart. (laughs) Let me give you some signs. For instance, you wake up one morning and uh, you wake up and you realize that twinkle in your eye, that's merely a reflection from the sun in your bifocals. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's going to happen. Oh, your wild oats, they turned into prunes and all bran. 
is what happened to those. In fact, you had a dream about prunes last night. That's kind of gross, by the way. Uh, and, and your knees might buckle, but your belt won't, right? In fact, your idea of weightlifting one day, pff, that's just standing up. You know what I'm saying? And a happy hour, woohoo, that's become a nap. It's called a nap now, okay? And your idea of a night out, woohoo, sitting out on the patio. That's partying, that's right. Your address book now only contains names that start with doctor, right? In fact, where you're going to wake up, listen, your ears have more hair than on your head. What happened to that, right? Well, they transplant those things. All right, and, and then you got a party. Listen, you party, woohoo, we're going to do a party. Your neighbors don't even realize it. In fact, they call you at 9 p.m. and say, sorry, did I wake you again? Right? It's going to happen, folks. Deep down inside, we all know as Christians, listen, I don't care what you do. I'm not saying don't be responsible. Don't eat right. Don't, I'm just, listen, it's still going to catch up to you. And if that's all you ran for in your life, you got duped. Because all that burns up. But only that, what you did for Jesus, lasts forever. Don't store up treasure here on earth. The Bible says this. You want to think you're going to have a perfect body? No. Here's a profound biblical truth. Listen to this. 1 Peter 1.24. I'll just give you one. As the prophet says, listen, people are like what? Grass. That what? Dies away. Their beauty fades as quickly as the beauty of wildflowers. Let me give you the Quran translation on this one, right? Uh, flabbiness comes and muscle tone goes, and so do those who try to find security in them. Right? One day your search for a so-called uh, fountain of youth is going to turn into a waterfall of wrinkles. It's going to happen. That's what he's saying. And so if you place all your security into that, spiritually you're all wrinkled up too. Spiritually you're all flabby. Because you invested in the wrong thing. But if you seek security in God, you're going to be able to rejoice even, listen, even when all your youthfulness fades away. Because you made the proper balanced investment. I'll say it again. God never said if we spent all of our gold into buying enough insurance and enough health care, enough vitamins, and enough exercise equipment, we'd never go through trials. Listen, he's promised us something better. He'll turn our trials into gold, and he'll give us the supernatural ability to rejoice and be a powerful witness in the midst of them. Now, I don't have time to give you a ton of examples. Let me just give you two real quick, and uh, we're about ready to close. One is this, and they're both true stories. Gloria, listen. Gloria, she's a Christian. She fell into deep anguish over the dismal prognosis of her daughter's illness. Her daughter, little Laura, had already suffered enough from the degenerative nerve disorder that she had been born with. And now the doctor's forecast included even more suffering and impending death. And one night as a Christian, she, she left her daughter's bedside there. And listen, she even spit out to God, God, it's not right. Where are you? Why are you allowing this? You never had to watch one of your children die. She clasped her hand over her mouth because at that moment she knew that he did watch his child die, his one and only son, that we could be set free. There's another Christian guy. He's a, a fireman, and uh, he's all stressed out. He, 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 he rolls up his sleeves, revealing two ends of two stumps where his hands should be. They were burned off in a blaze as a firefighter, and then he lost his job. The fireman, he didn't need a briefcase full of words. He needed the word. He needed the word made flesh, gouged with nail-pierced wrists, hands nearly ripped off, spit upon, beaten, bloody, flies buzzing, hatred hammering. Here the fireman stopped thinking of God as a meditating mystic on a faraway mountain. No longer was he some abstract deity. Nothing neat and tidy about him. Listen, God got messy when he smeared his blood on a cross to save people from hellfire. And this held a strange appeal to this man. 
who also injured himself while rescuing others from the flames. God is a God who is well acquainted with suffering. And he doesn't put us through trials just to see what we're made of. He takes our trials and he uses them to cause us to grow deeper spiritually and how we react through them supernaturally. It becomes a powerful benefit and a powerful witness to the people around us. Folks, we need to get back to listening to God. Stop doubting him. There is no such thing as a perfect bank account. There is no such thing as a perfect life. So stop. We need to get back to listening to God. Stop doubting him. We're going to experience pain. Money comes, money goes. You might have it, you may not. Oh, well. You can't take away what is stored up in heaven. We're going to do without sometimes. We're going to suffer this side of heaven. Listen, true security comes not by hoarding enough money just for your own life. True security comes in investing into the lives of other people. True security comes not by seeking to create a life without problems. That's impossible. But rather, when you see a problem, you fix it. You're a part of the solution. Giving people a taste of heaven before we even get there. One day at a time. Like this guy did. Watch this. จะได้อะไรถ้าเขาทำแบบนี้ทุกวันจะไม่ได้อะไรเลยไม่ได้รวยขึ้นไม่ได้ออกทีวีไม่มีใครรู้จักไม่ได้มีชื่อเสียงที่มากขึ้นสิ่งที่เขาได้คือได้แค่ความรู้สึกได้เห็นความสุข
พอใจได้ความรักได้ในสิ่งที่เงินซื้อไม่ได้ได้โลกที่สวยงามกว่าเดิมในชีวิตคุณอะไรคือสิ่งที่คุณต้องการมากที่สุด
The Ten Commandments, God's x-ray, showing us that we have sin that's separating us from Him. We're not holy and perfect like Him. The Fifth Commandment says this, you shall not steal. Don't ever once take anything without permission. How many of you have ever done that? Well, if we're not going to tell another lie, we, we should all admit that as well. Well, that makes us a thief now. The Bible says that God is so holy, uh, even His name is holy. And that's why the Ten Commandments says you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And if we're honest again, folks, hey, a lot of us, how many of us have used the blessed name of Jesus Christ? The only name, the Bible says, under heaven that men might be saved. We've now turned it into a common cuss word, if you can believe that. The Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. The Bible also says, hey, show, you want to show God you're so perfect, you have no sin? Then don't ever once commit adultery. And you might say, well, I, I've never done that, really? Jesus lays the standard before us. God looks at the heart. Man looks on the outside. Jesus said, if you ever looked with lust in your eye at another person, you've committed adultery in your heart. That's His holy standard. One more. The Bible says, okay, you think you're so good? Uh, then don't ever once commit murder. You shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I, at least I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible again says that the sin of hatred, wishing someone was uh, dead, is akin to the sin of murder. It's just, if you will, you pull the trigger in your heart. So, so, so how are you doing? That's just five out of ten of God's divine x-ray, by the way, uh, showing us the problem. How are you doing? Not if, but when your time comes, we're all going to stand before God. You'll be forced to admit what He already knows. Hey, God, let me in. Let me in. I'm a, I'm a liar. I'm a, I'm a thief. I'm a, a blasphemer, an adulterer, and a murderer. And the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. You're not headed to heaven in that state. You're headed to hell. But here's the good news. God said if we would just admit this, number one, then he could fix it. And it gets fixed only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. Jesus said in the book of John, chapter 14, verse 6, He says, I am the way, the life, and the truth, and nobody comes to the Father but by me. Why? Because only Jesus lived the perfect life in our place. And Jesus died on the cross. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be set free. And since we weren't there, and since it's a gift and we can't earn it, we have to receive that wonderful gift by faith. And the Bible says God will pardon us for our crimes, our sins, against him. And you could actually see this analogy working uh, in the natural, in the normal world. Uh, we see this actually uh, in the courtroom. For instance, if a person is guilty and, and everybody knows they're guilty, they've committed a horrible crime and, and, and the, the sentence has passed, the judge has knocked down the gavel and says, hey, uh, you are going to jail, you are going to the death penalty for that crime. And, and we know that people, that happens all the time and they go to jail, but believe it or not, did you know there's a way for that person, even though they're guilty, to actually be set free from that crime? It's called a pardon. And the one in authority, the governor, has the part out of mercy, out of goodness, certainly nothing that that person did in jail. They can't undo the crime. It's too late. But out of mercy, the governor could go down there and grant that person in jail a full pardon for their crimes. And by receiving that pardon, the doors come open and they are set free and they're rescued from the death penalty. Folks, that's what God is doing every single day with us spiritually. He has allowed His Son, Jesus Christ, to take the death penalty in our place. He's pardoned us, but a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it. And it's actually been on historical record that there have been people on death row who a governor has gone down out of mercy and extended to them a full pardon, but they've rejected it. 
And by their own doing, they went to the death penalty. Folks, don't make that same mistake for all eternity. God loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done. All of it. Even the sins we don't even know about. He wants to pardon you and forgive you. But you must receive that by faith today. The Bible says if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you call upon His name, ask Him to forgive you of all your sins, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Please do that now. Please do that today. Because tomorrow may be too late. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries. Again, thank you for joining us. If there's anything that you need, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to contact us. Our information and number and uh, things will uh, pop up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.